Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, it's great to see you today. We're going to begin by the reading of God's Word. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Sorry, choir. <laughs> uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, Guard the, good, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Amen. You may be seated. We're excited for all of our, uh, all of our visitors. I know I've seen a few visitors this morning, so we're especially glad that you've come uh, to worship with us this morning. I hope you feel welcomed. I hope that uh, you meet some great people. I hope that you here and are ready to worship uh, this morning. And if you are a guest, I especially hope you got a bulletin. Uh, one of these handouts, there's a tab in there. If you don't mind, uh, just fill that out and drop it in the offering plate and rip it off. Uh, drop it in the offering plate when it comes by. Uh, we just want to know that you came by and that you worshiped with us this morning. And that can be your gift. So thank you uh, for coming by this morning. Uh, there's a lot of great things happening. You know, it's been a big week at Broadway uh, with exciting business meeting, all kinds of things happening. I feel a lot better. Last Sunday, I don't know if you could tell, I was getting a little puffy-faced. I got into some poison ivy, and it was uh, Tuesday. I was just had a big swollen face, so I feel much better this Sunday than last Sunday. Um, but there's a lot of great things going on uh, and a lot of different things, so we're excited about those. And at this time, I'd like to hand it over uh, to Gene and the choir. All right. Thank you very much, Jack. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you here this morning. Let's stand together and join in singing. I sing praises to his name. I sing praises to your name.
Savior in prayer. Holy Father, the desires of our heart have been expressed in these words this morning. We gather today to glorify your name, to magnify your name, to exalt you, and worship you in spirit and in truth. May the Holy Spirit guide our thoughts, our praise, and to you this day. Thank you for this church, the ministries, Lord, that you allow this church to perform. And we pray, Lord, that it's more than a performance, but it's really a heartfelt service that we render unto you. Thank you for each person that is gathered. We know, our Father, there are those here today that are in the process of grief. There are those that are on the mountaintop for the joyful things that is happening in their lives. There's those that are in between, God, with special needs. And we know, our Father, that you and you alone have the answer for all of our needs. We thank you for the step forward that our church made last Sunday. And I pray especially, Lord, that you would guide in the person that you would have to lead in that special ministry that's coming to be a part of Broadway. We pray, Father, that you'd be their pastor as he shares with us this morning. May your word and spirit speak unto us if there be those that do not know you as Savior and Lord, Father, I pray that this would be the hour they would turn their hearts unto you. Breathe upon us, O Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, amen.
water. Aren't you glad Jesus looked beyond our faults and saw our dreams? There's a name I love to hear. Oh, how I love Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come this morning and sing about Jesus. We thank you for this 
part of the service that we can return to your work a portion of what we've what you've given to us we pray that you'll bless this offering and for whatever it's used for this morning bless our pastor as he brings a message in Jesus name we ask it amen
Good morning. I figure if this doesn't go well, I'll just say go cats at the end and y'all can cheer for that, okay?
there's a savior and he calls bring it all to the table and he calls bring it all to the table called See You at the Poll. What See You at the Poll is, it's always the fourth Wednesday of September, and if you, have, if you have children, or if you have grandchildren, and they're in either middle or high school, they need to get to their school early this coming Wednesday, and you meet at your flagpole. And it's a global movement of prayer for teenagers across the world, and you meet and you pray for your school and your friends, you pray for folks to get saved, it's a great thing, great witness, and it's completely student-led. The students lead in the prayer. So that's this Wednesday. So teenagers, I want you to come to your school. I, 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 um, I go to Jesse Clark. I'll be there with donuts on a, a Wednesday morning. And Zach goes to Dunbar, so he'll be there early on Wednesday morning, and we'll be at our, our schools there uh, promoting that. I always, when I come up on stage, I always look out, and the first thing I look for is our children, make sure they're here because um, they don't sit with us on the front row. And uh, Back in the good old days, they used to sit right here in like the third pew. I've noticed they've moved, now they've been promoted all the way to the back pew. They keep getting farther and farther back. I'm thinking they've become contaminated. Now we're on the back pew at church, the premium seats here at uh, any Baptist church in America is the back pew. Today is someone's special 63rd wedding anniversary. John and Rhoda Smith. Is that right? 63 years? Is that right? Why don't y'all raise your hand? So thank you so much. They're right over here. So how encouraging, exciting, 63 years from that. If you have your Bible, and I certainly hope you do, you need to open it to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read 15 Bible verses today. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. And while you turn there, I want to give you an update here on um, what happened last Sunday. Because... Um, uh, last Sunday evening was what we called Vision Night. And Vision Night was, uh, ended up being about an hour and a half presentation, and we shared about a direction. The churches always need a vision and a direction of where they're going. Well, uh, and we, we proposed a plan, and we voted on it, and it passed. It, it, was, it, it went 155 to 18, and we had great participation. A lot of folks stood up and shared, even a teenager stood up and shared. 
And so that's 89.6%, so that's an outstanding vote for that. But uh, what it is, is we voted in creating a new position here at our church. And the new position is called Contemporary Worship slash College Minister. So we live in a college town, and we need to be ministering to students who live here in, in Lexington, college students who live here. So that was a, a great, great need here, as well as an area... Uh, we looked at the demographics of our church, and we need to be reaching, not we need to be reaching everyone, but a missing hole, I guess, in our church would be kind of in the uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s age group, and that was basically 60, um, almost 64% of our church is age 60 and up. And we looked at that, and we recognized we want to be a church for all ages, a multi-generational church, so that uh, anyone who comes here uh, feels like, hey, there's strong ministries across the board for everybody. So that's what we presented and shared about. So we also voted for this to create a second worship service on Sunday mornings. And it'll be a contemporary worship service. Now, it doesn't start next week, so don't show up thinking where's the new worship service. So what we're going to do is we're going to, our personnel um, committee is going to begin working on uh, looking for a contemporary worship slash college minister. And then we bring this person on board and you know, vote, vote for them, vote them in. Then they're going to start building a praise team and a worship band. And then after that, probably sometime in 2019, uh, probably if I would guess, probably around Easter or so, we'll launch our new Sunday morning format, which will be at 9 o'clock we'll have our celebration service. Our celebration service is with the choir and orchestra. It's, it's this worship service right here, what you're used to. And then... Now, that service, there won't be a lot of fluff. David Dell and I won't be able to show movies, and you'll have to keep it on track. So if you're a time-conscious person, that's your service. It's a celebration service. It's going to be over at 9.55, because at 10 o'clock starts Sunday school. Sunday school will be the same Sunday school classes. It doesn't change for all ages. It's just 30 minutes later than what it is right now. Um, and then at Sunday school will be over about 11. And then at 11.09... Eleven oh nine will be our new contemporary worship service, and this new guy who we do not have anybody in our back pocket, we don't know who he is. Um, he'll be leading the worship for that. I'll be preaching the same uh, same sermon at both services. So, and that's when the band and the uh, worship uh, priest team will be uh, playing. Now, that eleven oh nine service, you know, there's nothing after that until evening worship. So, it just keeps on going. So, if you're a time conscious person, that nine o'clock service is for you. If you have somewhere to be. But if you said, hey, I need to say a church to 1230, then that 11.09 service is just for you. So that's what we voted on. So that's a direction of vision for Broadway. Because we think this will position our church in reaching a wide variety of, uh, of folks. And that's something our family ministry leadership team, we have a leadership group that's been working on that. So I'm excited for this. I want you to be praying about this person. Um, we, we don't know who, um, who our new staff member is going to be. Uh, but you, I'm asking for you to be diligent in your prayer life to be praying that God brings the right person and that our uh, praise team and our worship band, you know, those are things soon. In a couple of months, we'll be having a casting calls for those positions to say, hey, if you ever wanted to sing, we're playing the band, we're creating one. So, in fact, I was talking to David Dell before they left to go on a cruise and something that um, we want to start doing, maybe not right now, but in the next couple of months, when this new guy, say the new guy shows up in January, 
something nice, you know, especially somebody who doesn't know anyone. When you walk in church and you're saying, okay, step one, go build a band and a praise team, you're like, okay, uh, just walk down the hall. Sherry, do you sing? <laughs> Evelyn, do you sing? What we want to give the guys, we want to give them a list to say, hey, we've already been trying to get some names, and here's 25, 30 folks that said they can play instruments as well as singing the praise team. So that way he has something to work with. So be thinking about that over these weeks, uh, over these weeks and months ahead, if that's something, uh, a gift or a passion that the Lord has certainly uh, placed on your heart. So I want to give you an update. Uh, that's our uh, vision night for our church, or that we presented last week, and that's our direction we're going in. So it's certainly encouraging uh, and exciting. Now this morning, um, I'm preaching on money. <laughs> that was a joke, because it really is true. <laughs> if you vote to do something, now you got to fund it. But uh, in all truthfulness here, I am preaching on money today, but I'm preaching on being a generous person. Because generosity needs to flow from us. And we're going to see here in this passage of these 15 verses that Paul is, what we're about to read is Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And he's writing to this church. And this was a church that in many ways, they were in a wealthy community, they were in a church that uh, had abundant, there was a lot of opportunities in Corinth, but one of their weaker areas was giving. They had made a pledge and a promise to give, and we're going to see this here, but they hadn't chosen to actually fulfill that. So I want, the question we want to be answering throughout this message, this really hits home for us, are you a blessing to other people? Do you bless other folks? Are you known as someone who gives? And listen, I'm not here just talking about money. When you're a giver, you just give away everything. You give away your back pew at church. You give away your uh, season tickets to Kentucky football. You give away your, you pay for other folks' food. You just give, 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 give. And that's what it means to be a generous person. Generosity flows through you. <coughs> and this is important because Jesus, that's the type of person He was. He gave His life for us. He came living a giving lifestyle. When we look at the cross, we see a man who died for you. We see a man who gave Himself to the Lord for you. And if Jesus can give, I can give. If Jesus can give, you can give. And the question is for us is, um, do, you, uh, do you bless other people? Am I someone who's known to be a blessing for others? So I want you to pull your Bibles out. Now, this is a lengthy scripture here. It's 15 verses, and um, it can be somewhat hard to follow, so I want you to try, tr uh, try your best here as we go along. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, remember, we're writing to the church in Corinth, a church that has some challenges here, we're writing to them, sharing that they need to, they made a pledge or a promise to give. Everybody makes a pledge and a promise to give, but now Paul's saying, hey, you've made this pledge and this promise. I want to tell you about these other churches that they get churches they gave, you also need to give. Verse one. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the other churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part i can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability 
of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves, look at this, first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus, he's the pastor there, that just as he, uh, these other churches, that as he had begun to give, so he should also complete among you, among you the, this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in the act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though, he, though that by His poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving advice, because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but also want to do it. Now also, finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there also may be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. If there, it is not that there should be a relief for others and hardship for you, but it is in question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need, in order that there may be equality. As it is written, now this is a quote here out of Exodus 16:18. The person who has much did not have too much, and the person who did not have little didn't have too little. Now what that is, that's a, that's a quote there about the manna that God was providing with Moses and the Israelites there in Egypt. He was providing them manna and bread so that they certainly could certainly eat. Now the purpose of this letter, and these 15 verses, and what Paul's writing to, is these folks had made a pledge in 2 Corinthians 9-2. They had already made a previous pledge, a commitment that they are going to give to support the work and the mission of the gospel and the good news. But Paul's saying, hey, you've made this promise that you're going to give. God has blessed you immensely. God has been a blessing in your life. You have folks there at the church in Corinth. You need to be giving your resources to others. Now, it's interesting, in verse 1, he starts out talking about these churches here in Macedonia. These churches in Macedonia, he's talking about, he's comparing, says, hey, these other churches over here in Macedonia, which are the churches of Philippi, Thessalonia, and Berea, that's found in Acts 16, 17, they are a poor, that's a poor region, and they have given above and beyond. Now listen, if they can give, if they are generous, if they are a blessing to other people, then you do, if a church and folks with limited financial resources if they can bless other folks, surely you, church in Corinth, you can be that blessing to other folks. And that's what the purpose of this letter here. This is a church that, in Macedonia that was in poverty, yet they can give. If the poor folks can give, church, you can give. That's what Paul is saying. In many ways, 2 Corinthians 8 9, what we just read, look at this verse again. It sums up this, the gospel. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich. Jesus Christ was rich. He stepped out of heaven with God. For your sake He became poor. When Jesus came to earth and He lived in Nazareth, He didn't live in a wealthy town. He was a poor carpenter with poor parents. They didn't have a lot. In fact, their, their, their hometown Nazareth was actually mocked. For your sake He became poor, so that by His poverty 
you might become rich. And that poverty we see there is Jesus was a poor man who came and died. So ultimately, we could have wealth. And that wealth isn't earthly wealth. The wealth he's talking about is spiritual wealth in heaven. It means being saved. If you were saved this morning, if you have Jesus in your heart, if you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are wealthy. You have, God has blessed you. Friday night, we hosted, our church was fortunate to host the Gideon's um, a banquet. They have, I guess, an annual banquet, and I got to attend it, and um, they, uh, they came here, they met here at our church in the fellowship hall, and a bunch of Gideons, a bunch of pastors were there. They uh, catered food, a great event, and um, they had the speaker come, and he, came, he, was like a, he was way up in the Gideons, and he came from Paducah. And he was sharing about you know, the work of Gideons. Did you all know last month that Gideons went to the University of Kentucky and gave out 7,777 Bibles on UK's campus? Just college students everywhere. I mean, they were giving out God's Word. And it was story after story of God's, um, of, of God's Word, of how it goes out and folks get saved. Well, the gentleman came from Paducah, and he made a PowerPoint presentation. He actually, I, it was so good, two of the slides were so good from the PowerPoint presentation, I, I wanted to steal it from him. I just went up to him and said afterwards, I said, sir, can I have that? I want to show that on Sunday morning. Uh, do we have the first slide? What, uh, well, I want you to look at this slide. Now, what happened? This guy who spoke, he went on a mission trip to Thailand. Thailand is in Southeast Asia. It is a Buddhist country. The folks there do not know Jesus. They're spiritually lost. And he was telling us about going to Thailand and distributing Bibles in their heart language so they can read them there among the Thai folks so they can get saved. And while he was there, they went to go visit this place. Now, I don't know if you can see it. This is a Buddhist temple. It's a Buddhist temple. It's called the White Temple. And the White Temple here... um, it was incredibly nice. And you walk the architecture, you just walk around, you look at it. And there's a sense of sadness because the folks at the White Temple are not worshiping Jesus. They're not worshiping God. It's a, it's a Buddhist temple. And then he's just walking around looking at all the different sculptures and all the designs. Look at the ne- next slide. This is the last slide here I got from him. I don't know if you can see that. These are, a, these are pictures of hands. They're just arms and hands coming up. He was looking at that. He's walking around. This is a Gideon. He's looking around and goes, this is odd. Why are there pictures of hands? And he shared last night. He said, guys, these are hands from hell. It's symbolic of a lost country. People who are not saved. Literally, they're crying out. Well, I was intrigued by that, so he, I got him to email me that, that, and I went and, you know, Google, you can find anything. So I went and Googled this white temple and looked up this place. I even looked up this picture and this sculpture here. Now, he didn't know the actual name because, you know, they don't speak English over there, so when you're walking around, you don't know what, what stuff's called. He's just over there taking pictures. Do you know the actual name of that picture? The actual name, the sculpture, the guy who made that, the actual title is Miserables from Hell. They didn't even realize. I want, you, this is, I want you to see the reason you and I 
tell other people about Jesus. The reason we give in an offering plate, the reason we give to support missions, is because church, that's a reality. That is a fact right there. People who are lost, people who do not know Jesus, people in Thailand at the, who go to the white temple to worship, whoever they worship is not the Lord Jesus, they're going to hell. They are, they are eternally doomed. And that Gideon, two nights ago here at our church, he just titled it, Hands from Hell. And I went and Googled it. The real name's Miserables from Hell. And it's a picture of showing what lostness. They, they didn't realize, whoever made that, how true that sculpture really is. I want you all to see, when you get serious about the gospel, when you get committed to Jesus, stuff like that, when you go and you hear about folks that have never heard the name of Jesus, or they're people of other religions and they don't know the Lord, we should be burdened and broken just like the theme of see you at the pole is broken. We should be broken over the lostness of Lexington, broken over our middle and high schools and our colleges. We should be broken that there's huge generations that are not in church. They aren't. It rained. You five drops of rain keeps out 200 people. It'll do it. Any opportunity not to be in God's house. Satan will make sure on Sunday mornings pouring down rain. Any opportunity to keep people away from the teaching and the preaching of the good news, the devil will do it. And we have to be committed that this is a real picture of our world. And there's folks all around us that are li they're living like this. Look at this. Why do we give? Why do we give? When you give, you should give to organizations and to, to churches that their whole purpose is preaching and advancing the good news. Otherwise, it's just social work. We don't, we're not here to do social work. We're here to see folks saved. We have a passion to so folks come to the Lord. Look at verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look what he says there. I'm not saying this as a command. Rather by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. See what it is. is it's easy. As Christians... To go around saying, I love the Lord. Jesus first in my life. Go God. I love the Bible. But the real decisions, you want to know how where someone stands in life and what their real interests are? You look at their checkbook. Well, now a lot of folks don't use checkbooks. You, look at, you log into their online bank account. Where people spend their money is where their treasure is. That's truth. You want to know what a person's made. You want to, you know, like a personnel committee is going to go and, and interview this new guy, our new contemporary worship college minister. This would be the ultimate job interview. He comes in and they put a laptop computer in front of him and says, log in your PNC bank account and let's see what this guy's really made of. Because you just log in someone's bank account. That's that person. That's where they spend their money. That's their priorities. That shows what type of person they are. And what Paul's saying here, he's saying, you know, you're saying you're genuine. 
You're saying you love the Lord, but I want to test you in this. You need to make true the genuineness will show how you, how you give. What type of person? People who are generous. People who have giving that flows out from them show they are a display of a person that loves the Lord. Listen, we give at Broadway because there are lost people here in Lexington. Do you know that? Everything we do here goes to supporting, reaching folks just like that sculpture with their hands raised. Because that is a picture of not just Thailand at the White Temple, that's a picture of our city. That is all around us of folks who do not know the Lord. Listen, parents, <clears throat> you know, one of the things about moms and dads, even grandparents, it's easy to tell your children to do something and expect them to do something, but if you don't do it, they notice that. It's easy to tell your children, says, okay, you need to give, you need to memorize Scripture, you need to read your Bible, but moms, dads, if, and grandparents, if you're not doing it, they will notice that. Why would we expect to raise a new generation of givers, a new generation of gospel shares, a new generation of folks who is passionate for missions and reaching our city for the Lord, if we aren't, if you aren't passionate about it, they're not going to be passionate about it. So you shouldn't be surprised when your children grow up and they don't go to church, they don't care about lost folks, they don't give, they don't memorize the scripture. It's just optional. If church is optional for you, it's going to be optional for them. Jesus Christ is commanding us. He's saying, I have poured out my grace. That's what verse 9 says, I've poured out my grace upon you. Now because you have received the love of the Lord, I expect you to go out and be passionate about Him. You know, we want to be, we want to raise up a, gen, a generation of generous Christians. I answer the phone when it rings. I'm one of those guys, even if the number says unknown, or even if it were to say telemarker, I just, I answer the phone. Who else, who, who, if who here answers the phone no matter what? Anybody else? Good, so there's eight of us. If you call, so it doesn't matter who you are, if you call, if I'm by the phone and I'm not you know, busy doing something, and if I'm available, I'll, I wouldn't even say if I'm available, I'll make myself available, I'm going to answer the phone. And it doesn't matter who you are, I'll, I'll talk to you. If it's telemarker, you know, most folks, uh, you hang up, say, I'm not interested, or whatever, or, or anyway, you tell a crazy story, they've gone to be with the Lord, it, it doesn't matter what you tell the telemarker, they're still going to call you. We've, we've gone over that a few months ago. Well, Sherry doesn't answer the phone like I do. She screens calls. She's a call screener. Well, I know all the telemarketers here in the whole, whole country because I, I talk to them. When I, because they, you call me, I'll, I'll talk to them. I know them all. I know every sales pitch online. I even know when the machines call. I, I could pick up right away. This isn't a real human. It's a machine. Well, Sherry doesn't have that joy. One day this week, it was about three or four nights ago, um, she was on, we, we still have a landline, which I like, um, uh, she had talked to her mother on the phone, and then the phone was sitting next to her, right next to her, and the phone rang, like the telephone. And she, I mean, literally, it was inches from her, and she never answers the phone. And normally, I would jump up and answer, but since it was so close next to her, she had to answer. I said, Sherry, go ahead and answer the phone. This is rare for her to answer the phone. She doesn't know. Well, she answered the phone, and she, she picked up, 
card and he said, I don't recognize the number. I just smile. So. <laughs> I'm sure I do. <laughs> so, because I know all the telemarketing numbers. Uh, well, she answered it. And it was one of these telemarketers, and they're smooth now. They're at the point where you don't even realize you're talking to a machine. Well, this was the machine that called. And she started talking to the machine. I'm across, I was actually across the living room. I'm laughing. Because I could hear, I could overhear. I said, she's talking to a machine. She like answered the question series. Not even a real person. Like I didn't say this. I'm just laughing, thinking that's an inexperienced person answering the phone. You just don't know a telemarketer when you hear one. I would know right away because I do it all the time. And finally, after a few seconds, after they didn't, after you talk to a machine, you know they don't always answer. They answer kind of weird if you answer the question. She hung up. And said that was a that was a machine, and I'm just laughing. Say, Sherry, they got you. You were talking to a fake person on the phone. And what happens, and the reason I tell this story is because I knew that was a phony phone call. I am used to telemarkers calling all the time. I have become a jaded person towards telemarkers. Even though I still answer it, I'm just used to it. I've I've been around the block. I would never fall for the machine telemarker and start talking to a fake person on the phone. But I want to tell you something. There's a danger in what I know. Just because, and just like I'm jaded towards telemarkers, and I'm jaded and I'm a pro at answering any phone call that ever comes, that can creep into your spiritual life too. When you're at church, and you hear someone teaching and preaching on generosity and living a lifestyle of giving and being passionate about presenting the gospel to lost people, you can become jaded to this. You can think, oh, look, we just voted last Sunday to go out and hire someone, and now we've got to go get the money. So here comes the, the, here comes the money message. Here comes a message on sermon on generosity and giving. And you get jaded towards it. When you're asked to give to the Lord, when you're asked to do something dynamic for Jesus, you, if you have been there and done that, your heart becomes calloused. You think, oh great, here we go again. We all know what the word vision means. It means money. That's what every vision entails. And what happens is, instead of getting behind of what Jesus is going to do, instead of getting passionate about what the Lord wants Broadway and for you to be a part of your life and ministry, it's almost like me answering a phone call with the telemarketers. It's a joke. I play games. I can predict who it's going to be. I can see if it's a real machine and see how short this goes. My goal is to almost guess who's going to call. There's a, there's, that creeps into your spiritual life, Broadway Baptist Church. You can become callous to the gospel and you don't even realize it. Because it's just like answering the phone. Now, a message on money. What does, what does the Bible say about this? Look here, verse 11. Look what God's Word says here. Verse 11 says, Now also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. Some of you have not finished the task. And I'm not just talking about giving money. Some of you have made commitments to the Lord. 
Some of you have made promises to Jesus. Some of you have said, Lord, I give you my heart and soul, my whole life, all of who I am. I give you my checkbook, my pocketbook, I give you my bank account, I give you my children, I'll go to school and pray at the flagpole, I'll be a witness to all the lost souls all around here, I'll go on mission trips, I'll volunteer, I'll serve. You've made promises, but for whatever and whatever that reason is, you haven't finished it. You've been derailed, you've stopped. And Paul's urging this church here, just like he's urging you, he's saying don't give up. You need to finish the work. The work of the gospel never ends. You never retire from Jesus. You never give up on the Lord. There's always a work to be done. He's telling us you need to be ready. You need to be ready to give and you need to be ready to go. I want to tell you, some, one of the dangers is easy. It's easy in a church or as a Christian to say, you know what, there's some new faces here. It's time for them to step up. I'm going to step back. We never see that in the Bible. Never are we commanded or told to step back. Never are we co- we're told to get a break. Jesus is telling us, hey, you need to be passionate about the gospel. I have a Bible verse up here on the screen I want to show. This is the one, a short parable that Jesus described. And we don't need to turn that, put it up on the screen. It's just one verse. This is really fundamentally, if you want to be a generous person, if you want to be a giver, this is what you have to do. Matthew 13, 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. A treasure. When, folk, when you get saved, you have received a treasure. Even if you are dirt poor here on earth, you have the greatest treasure ever. It's like a man who... It's like a treasure buried in a field. This man comes and he finds the treasure. In the field. So what he does is say it was buried right here. He picks it up and he goes 25 feet and he reburies it over here in the field. A new spot. He's so excited about this treasure. He goes out and he sells everything he has. Everything. Now he's broke. And he goes out and he buys that field for the very purpose so he can legally say, Hey, look. I bought, I owned this field, and I was just digging around, and there was a treasure there. Looky there, what was my lucky day? I found a treasure in this, in this field that I just purchased. So then legally, he would own the treasure. Jesus gave that one, one verse parable for this purpose. He's saying, that is what the Lord, that is what it means to be saved. That means when you have You have found a treasure. The treasure is Jesus. The treasure is eternal life. The treasure is I'm going to be saved and live in heaven with the Lord one day. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to to use all of my resources, everything I have, I'm going to throw at buying this treasure. I will never lose this treasure. Listen, when you are saved, Broadway, when you have Christ in your life, you have a treasure This treasure, it doesn't rust. Moths don't eat it. It's something that's invaluable. I want you, here's the problem though. We've heard these sermons before. You know the value of this treasure, but listen, we've become calloused to the treasure. It's like answering the phone with a telemarker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another message on heaven. Another message on money. 
another message on Jesus. I want you to ask the question, if you have a treasure, and that treasure is Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, that anybody in the world can get saved and live for in heaven forever with the Lord, don't you want to be a generous person? Don't you want to give it away? Don't you want to own something that you can, the greatest blessing you will ever be to anyone else is to give them the treasure of Jesus. Do you treasure Jesus Christ more than anything else on earth? I want you to answer that question. Do you treasure the Lord the most? Is He that valuable? Look at these final three takeaways. We're going to have our invitation to respond to the gospel. Up here on the board. Here they are. We give ourselves first to God. Do you know that? The first thing we do is we give ourselves to God first. We will have little, if you give yourselves first to God, you will have little trouble giving our treasure to God. Your treasure is Christ. And out of that flows everything else. Number two, if you give yourself to God, you'll have little trouble giving yourselves to others. Meaning you will live a other-centered life. There will be incredible opportunities that God will put in front for you so you can be a generous person, so you can support the gospel and the mission going out to others. And then look at this here. Jesus placed our relationship with money at the core of our spiritual relationship with Him. This goes back to when we log on our PNC bank account. You want to see what a man or woman's made of, you log on their account and you can see what they are made of. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you see how someone uses their finances, how they use their gifts that God has given them, and that's what type of person they are. Jesus says, you want to know what's made of a man? You see how he spends his money. You can tell if he's selfish, you can tell if he's generous, you can tell if he's stingy, you can tell if he's involved in immorality, whatever. You can tell if he's wasteful. Right there. Jesus says how you spend your money determines what type of man you are. In today's message, I'm asking you to give yourselves to God. Make Him your treasure. Make Him so that you are completed the task, so you finish the passion He's put in front of you. Listen, no one... <clears throat> No one at their funeral stands up and talks about how much money they saved and, and how great their bank account is. Do you know what people are known for? They're known for being givers. How their lives touched and blessed and impacted others. Do you want to be that type of person? Do you want you to be remembered? I know I do. I want to be remembered of someone who impacted, and I want our church to be remembered, known as a church, we bless and touch other folks, all ages of folks, with a vision and direction for doing that. We want to make an impact at the University of Kentucky. We want to have a praise team and a worship band for folks that like that type of music. They can come and connect here. We want families of all ages to be in these pews. We want children, they come up through the children's ministry and the youth group to say, hey, I'm, this is going to continue to be my church home because there's a place for me here at Broadway. That's an impact for a church. 
That's a church that has a vision saying we are for everybody. The only way to do it is say, hey, God, I'm giving my life to you. And because that is you are my treasure, generosity is going to flow from me. Let's bow our heads and pray. I'm going to pray for God to make us a generous church. God, I pray that we are a generous people. Lord, our treasure is with you. Lord, you came and you died on a cross so we could be saved. Lord, if there's anybody here that has never received the free gift of salvation that you paid, that you gave 2,000 years ago, Lord, today is the day of salvation. Lord, appoint it in our hearts to respond to you. God, I pray this morning, we're answering the question, am I a blessing to others? Lord, I pray that you force every single one of us, young and old, that we answer this question. And Lord, we want to get to yes. Lord, I want Sherry and I, we want our life to be a blessing to other people. We want to have an impact on the kingdom. We want to see souls saved. We want the gospel to go out from this lighthouse here on this corner on Harrisburg Road. Lord, I pray that you just put in our heart that our treasure isn't earthly wealth and money. Lord, our treasure is You. We want to buy the field and make it mine and give it away. God, I pray during this invitation, if there's anybody here that needs to respond, Lord, if You have been speaking to our hearts, if You have been moving, leading us to give, leading us to go, leading us to more, Lord, I pray we'll act on that. We'll finish the work. God, if there's any other decisions here, if they need, someone needs to make this our church home, someone needs to get baptized or follow, follow in, uh, following you in your faith, Lord, I pray we are bold in our belief. Lord, we give you this invitation, what you're doing this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gene King's going to lead us in our song. We close every single worship service with a hymn of invitation. This is your time, your opportunity to respond. I always wait down front for you to respond. So let's stand together. And Gene's going to sing, Have you been to Calvary? Well, I'll wait down front for you.
I want to make a couple, two final announcements. Number one, next Sunday, if you are, if, twice a year our church does something called the Discover Broadway Luncheon. If you are new, we do this in like kind of around October, uh, late March or so. If you, we do it twice a year. So if you are new here at our church, maybe uh, you've been coming for a few weeks, a few months, we have a special lunch for you next Sunday. Right when the morning worship service is over, you are invited to come downstairs to the fellowship hall, uh, come to our luncheon. It only lasts an hour long. You meet the staff and learn about the, some of the ministries and events here at our church. Uh, you and your family are invited. You just go on our website and sign up. So I wanted you to uh, be planning for that. Also, um, we have a special luncheon, or actually a special dinner. We're catering food on Thursday, October 4th. If you've ever lost your spouse, we have what we're calling a, a widow's luncheon. And it's um, uh, for folks... Uh, who have um, who've gone through that before. It's going to be on Thursday, October 4th at 6 p.m. We're catering Texas Roadhouse across the street. It's going to be a great event. The deacons are hosting this, so I want you to consider uh, uh, being a part of that. If you want to uh, attend that, we do have to kind of have a head count, so you just call the church office and let, uh, let us know uh, that you're going to be coming, about how many folks uh, you'll be bringing. But uh, anyone's invited, so it's going to be a great time. Our deacons will be serving everybody, but that's going to be Thursday, October 4th at 6 o'clock. So that's another event uh, right around the corner that I wanted to share. Tonight we have church at 6 o'clock, so you're invited. We're going through the Gospel of Luke, so that's our Sunday evening service. We do Awanas here at 5.30, from, uh, that's ages 3 years old through 5th grade. Uh, so they're certainly all invited. That's from 5.30 to 7.30. Tonight is pool noodle night, so that's going to be in recreation with Zach. They're doing pool noodles. So bring your children to Awana, and uh, certainly have evening sh uh, worship as well. I'm going to ask Gene if he'll close us in a song. All right. Let's join in singing the chorus, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you and have a good afternoon.